Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Justin Berg. After a football-heavy episode last week with Dave Simone and Bill Green, we are back to basketball. Welcome back, my man, Berg. Yeah, what happened with the football? They have a good recruiting class, or what's going on? No, it was. Uh, they they actually got to commit today, um, but it was uh, just kind of setting the the board for 2020. Now that the 2019 class is all signed, sealed, and delivered, uh, okay. we touched we touched back on that a little bit, and then and then looked ahead to uh, what is, is is already shaping up to be a very strong class. Two commitments already, both of them very good. Um, they got one today from a defensive back out of Lexington, Kentucky. Got to love going into the Wildcats' backyard and uh, getting a kid that runs a four-four-one and uh, hard-hitting safety with speed. You always like that. Yeah. Um, check okay. out check out the uh, the board. Shane's got a bunch more information on the commitment and everything there. Uh, but it's basketball time, Berg. We have six games remaining in the regular season for the Bearcats. Three of those games are at home. Three of those games are on the road. All of them are against quality competition. Two games against Central Florida. One game against Houston. A game against Memphis. A game against UConn. And a game coming up. Uh, Southern what, Methodist. Su- su- SMU. At SMU. That's the one I was missing. Uh, so at UCF, at SMU, at UConn, and then UCF at home. Um, Memphis, Houston at home Houston. and Memphis yeah. at home. So that's the stretch that the Bearcats will uh, will have to close out this regular season. They are at twenty one and four. Um, we have uh, we'll get to Central Florida here in a little bit. Uh, but we'll start out first uh, with and before you, you go to one of those home games, go to five one three shirts dot com. Click on partners. You will see Bearcat Journal. Drop that down. Get yourself. A Don't Shoplift Tradition shirt. Get yourself some Bearcat Journal merchandise, T-shirts, hoodies, hats, beanies for the winter as it's still pretty cold outside. It's supposed to be some precipitation tonight. So uh, make sure you uh, you go over to 513shirts.com and check out all the Bearcat Journal gear. Get yourself some today. And uh, if you spend $55, you get free shipping. So that's what's going on with our partners at 513shirts. Wichita State Shockers came into town uh, that was uh, a game closer than the score indicated uh, in Wichita. Uh, looked and, and figured to be another pretty tough game, but Cincinnati did a very good job taking out Shocker star Marcus McDuffie. They made things very difficult for him. Uh, I think he finished, what, 4 of 15 from the floor? And uh, Yes, and you're right. Cincinnati shot it well from the three-point line, didn't really shoot it all that well from inside the arc. Uh, but they hit their free throws, they made their threes, and uh, they were able to pull away with some separation. Uh, got up by as much as 19 in the second half uh, and ended up walking away with a 10-point victory. Berg, what was your overall feeling and takeaway from the game against Greg Marshall's Shockers? It's been a while since the Bearcats have really just locked somebody down to that degree to where it didn't really matter if UC wasn't shooting the ball well, they still were able to win comfortably. I mean, to hold, and Wichita State is not a great offensive team, but to hold them to 28% from two and 26% from three, it's pretty strong. The, the defensive rebounding wasn't as good as it has been of late, but like Mick said afterwards, when the team misses that many shots, it's, it's just inevitable that they're going to be able to get some of those back, but the good news is like UC didn't allow them to put a lot of them back in. Um, they probably could have had more. They had 23 second chance points. That's more than you'd like, but, but overall to be able to, um, you yeah, UC, see, UC just was not as good as they've been offensively. Only one point per possession, 72 points, 72 possessions, but they did what they had to do. They were able to pull away in the second half. So looking ahead to the last, you know, the last stretch here, I mean, Cincinnati's defense needs to get, moving and uh, get improving because you're not going anywhere without a good defense. Yeah. I mean, they held them under 30%. Like I don't how much more moving and grooving do you need them to, I'm, to, to no, do? I'm, I'm saying that if they need to continue, like that's a good okay. starting point. But if you look at some of the recent games, you know, Houston shot very well. I mean, they're, they're, Memphis in the first half shot really well. I mean, there was just, there's been a lot of like 50% in the first halves and then they have to, 
find a way in the second half to to make adjustments and to get some stops. Whereas they held Wichita State to 24 points in the first half. Um, and like again, you know, UC shot 30 percent and they had a 10 point lead. That is like that's so Bearcats right there. <laughs> so <laughs> so so I mean, I'm just I think coming up coming up soon. Berg's new uh vlog that's so bearcats <laughs> yeah that was that i mean when i saw that i was like wow i mean it feels like we, we we've seen that a lot of we've seen that a lot last year and a bunch of different games but just haven't seen it in a while so it was just it was like familiar feeling to be like god you see just not shooting the ball very well but eh, they're up 10 at half because they're holding them to even a lower percentage well i also think this team is a little bit different of an animal when you come out in the first three shots, first two shots, Jaron Cumberland bangs back-to-back threes. And, and the confidence level when he gets going like that, I think is very high. I think everybody kind of has that that calm feeling of, if Jaron's playing like that, we, we're going to have this under control. Yeah. And then, and then the guy who everyone assumed would be the second option – when the season started, Kane Broom, he's starting to get going. He's got double figures three of the last five. He had 12 on Sunday, and he's starting to shoot the three ball a lot better. He's He was two for four. He's getting to the rim, um, keeping his turnovers down, and actually playing pretty good defense if you look at the analytics. And, and in the Houston game, that was one of the reasons why he played. He was playing better defense than Jennifer. So it's – if you look at the way this team is constructed, I mean, it, not only do you need to have that defense, but you got to have something out of Kane because the bench has been erratic scoring the ball. And if you can get a guy to come off the bench and give you 10 to 12 or more, that's going to be huge. Yeah, you need something out of Kane, but I think you also need uh, what you got in the second half out of Keith Williams. I think he's the difference. I, I think when he is playing well – and doing what he does well, this team goes to another level. I mean, I, I, go back and look in that second half when he was attacking the rim and when he was being that that threat opposite Jaron Cumberland, guarding this team becomes significantly more difficult. Yeah, and, and as good as, as Jaron is, the reason why the offense overall has been so good is because the other guys have stepped up and, and made defenses pay when they pay too much attention to Jaron. So that includes Keith. That includes Kane when he's out there. And then Justin Jennifer has continued to shoot the ball very well. His minutes have gone down a little bit of late, but that might be because Kane's playing so well and uh, matchups as well. But uh, And then you look at Nasir Brooks and, and Trayvon Scott have been much improved, especially on the defensive end, and, and they've been getting you some points. They didn't, they didn't have the – either one of them did well offensively. They both struggled in the paint which is a concern heading into this game on Thursday. But they, but for the most part, they've been pretty reliable. And so that's what's made this offense so good is the other guys. And at the top of the list, like you mentioned, is Keith Williams. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot has been made over um, Brooks and, and Scott. And, and, yeah, it was a bad game. Um, I think they got sped up. I, I think it is – and Mick had a, a great point on this on his coach's show on Monday night um, – Wichita State is a lot like Cincinnati in how they defend at the rim. You are not getting layups on them. They are either going to block your shot or they are going to foul the crap out of you. And I think that got in their heads a little bit that, you know, that big monster from Wichita State was was coming to either not I think it, it gets in your head even more when you know a guy is going to maul you. Yeah. Uh, if he can't get to your shot. And and I think the week off um, hurts the two of them because I think they are both, uh, as they are gaining experience, they're both very much rhythm and confidence guys. True. They didn't have great games against Houston, and then they had a week off. And yeah. I, I think that has to uh, get in your head just a little bit. Um, something think, they, something real quick, something they did do well, though, in 56 combined minutes, no turnovers from either one of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they played poorly by any stretch of the imagination. I think they both just struggled to finish. Yeah, that was and, the only thing. They yeah. rebounded well, blocked shots, all that stuff. Uh, I think you are offensively going to need the two of them to get in a groove if this team is to reach its potential over the final six games and you know improve their seed line and, and, and be playing well 
as we head into March. But I don't think it was nearly as bad as it was portrayed in the way that the two of them played against Wichita State. Right. Like I said, I if you look deeper into it, I mean, let's see. So, okay, they one for seven. So they, they were both one for seven from two. So it, it looks bad. But <clears throat> they also combined to get four offensive rebounds. They were good on the defensive glass for the most part. And they, you know, they obviously guarded well because Wichita State had a very low percentage. So like Mick was saying, and, and you can look at certain players on this team and they can contribute without putting the ball in the basket. It's, it's a team game. So and like, like a guy like Rashawn Fredericks, who um, analytically, like I pointed out, was the most like, was, was the most important Bearcat, really, when he was on the floor in that two-game road swing. He comes back home and grabs you eight defensive rebounds, doesn't turn the ball over, and he makes a three-pointer, which I think him making the three, now everyone that had a problem with him is going to be like, oh, yeah, he's fine. Yeah, he's good because he made that shot. But really how he's been contributing is his energy and his reliability on the defensive end and the defensive backboard and his, his energy. And that's he's a bench guy, and you know you got to find a way to contribute, and he is. So you, it, it, this is a very – you know, it's like – it's you got Jaron, but you got all these other guys bringing something to the table that contributes to the common good. Yeah, and and that's an important part of how this team is constructed. It is not constructed like last year, where you're going to have five highly potent scoring threats on the floor at most times. Uh, this is a team that's constructed around Jaron Cumberland and, and guys that fit roles. And when those guys are playing well in those roles, this team is a very tough out. Right. And when they are not, then you get close games. And that's the interesting thing to me is we haven't seen really when they're not playing well, teams haven't jumped all over them. Basically when they're not playing well, what we get is a close game. Yeah. Which they they're six and one in close games and, and anything to five points or less, they're six and one. So yeah. they've, they've had experience in those and, and they have a guy that can close and get fouled and all that stuff at the end just didn't happen against Houston, but I think you're, you're you're right on with that. And and one more thing with with the way that the game went on Sunday was, you know, Wichita State tried to they tried to come after Jaron and he ends up with five assists. So that's been happening lately too, where he's getting in that four to six assist range. Teams are teams are coming after him. He's making every kind of pass. Well, he, he could drive down the right side and throw like a soccer pass to the other wing for an open shot. I've you've seen that. You've seen them like just, you know speed the ball ahead down the lane and kick it out. You've seen him. With the hit-ahead pass, I mean, you've seen him um, hit guys underneath, like he hit Keith um, for a left-handed layup the other day. Like he, you know, he's he's really like when the season started and and the, the talk was like, yeah, he's going to score, but he could also have some huge assist games. Um, you're starting to see him be able to take what the defense has given him and burn them in two different ways. The pass to Keith for the dunk was really impressive. Yeah, that was smooth. He looked the other way. I mean, really, he left. Um, Samaje Jones Hayes just completely twisted. Yeah, because he had no chance. He, 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 he Jaron faked him to the middle with the pass, got it to Keith, and by the time he turned back around to Keith, Keith was getting ready to take flight. And if he would have jumped at Keith, he would have just been murdered. We we would have had to have had a funeral for him on site. <laughs> um, luckily, he jumped, but he was like, eh, "Actually, no, I'm going to get out of the way." Um, he also had the pass to Kane in transition where he comes barreling down the lane, the entire defense is looking at him, and he, he turns around and throws that overhead soccer pass, but on the same side of the court to Kane, who was right there on the wing for a three, and bangs home the three. And there's nothing a defense can do about that, because when Jaron Cumberland is going full steam at your rim, you got to do everything possible to slow him down. The end result was an absolutely fantastic uh play back behind him to get Kane for a wide open three in transition yeah uh, he had a good one on Jennifer's three a good pass um he's just making the right play and that's what we've we've come to expect from him right and the other thing with him is he's done he's done a, a magnificent job staying out of foul trouble he since he fouled out against UNLV he's only gotten to four once and that was on December 1st I believe so he's 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 rarely even getting to three um of late so as aggressive as he plays to be able to stay on the floor. I mean, he's been playing 
he plays 37 minutes the other day. And if you look back at in, in the conference games, he's played he played 29 against Houston because he had the foul trouble in the first half. But he has got some heavy minutes going. I mean, they're really he's had 38, 39, 42, another 38. You know, so he's had some big minutes, and and he wouldn't be able to play those minutes if he was in foul trouble. So another thing that he's he's taken taken to heart and and done a very good job with. Yeah, I I think Mick has also done a good job. We talked about this on the Skinny Podcast on Sunday night. Mick has done a really good job on getting him out, like, if there's a stoppage 30 seconds before the media timeout. Right. And getting him an extra, you know, 90 seconds of a breather on the bench. Um, that's how you maximize if a guy's going to play 35, 37 minutes. You buy him an extra couple minutes here and there. Uh, around the media timeouts, generally generally around the under-12 stop and the under-8 stop. Uh, I think actually on Sunday there was a stretch where he got him out at the under-12, like 40 seconds before the under-12 and then 35 seconds before the under-8, uh, and twice bought him a little bit of extra time there, um, which I think, you know, if you've got a guy that's that heavy usage, if you can be smart about those little things, then you can buy him a little extra wear and tear. Um but he doesn't. He doesn't seem to be slowing down at this point. He, he seems to be getting stronger, and uh, yeah. he's like he's like Mike Warren. He's like that running back that you keep giving the ball to, and then finally in the fourth quarter when everybody's beat down, he just runs them over like bowling pins. <laughs> uh, it, it, that's kind of what we've seen from Jaron so far this year. But that will be tested over yeah. this next six game stretch. Right, because every game's so important when you're, you know, you're not guaranteed anything at this point. So, and all these teams are coming for you. I mean, starting with with Thursday when, you know, Central Florida, I mean, this is the type of game that they just have, they don't have on their resume and they're coming after you. And even like Memphis will still think they have some kind of an outside chance when they come to fifth, third, and obviously Houston. So really, he's going he's gonna to have to keep carrying the load. But if he's going to keep being strong with it, then just keep going to him. Uh, not a whole lot else from Wichita State. Um, I think they kind of did what was expected of them. Uh, it was, you know, it was a game where Wichita State hung around for the most part. But once Cincinnati hit that that spurt in the middle of the second half to push it up to 19, then it was just a matter of hanging on until the end. Um, yeah, they had spurts and you see had spurts in both halves to get yeah. separation. And really, both teams had at least six or seven days off, so they were very rusty shooting the basketball. Yeah. Um, we talked about it a little bit. Great job on Marcus McDuffie. Um, really changed uh, some of their looks and changed some of the way that, that he was was trying to get open. Took away some of the things that have been critical for, uh, for Wichita State. I thought it was a really good defensive scout by Antoine Jackson because McDuffie has been making, taking and making a lot of tough contested shots uh, and they didn't even allow him to really get into a situation where he could get a clean look and really ever find a rhythm. Uh, so yeah. you know, more than anything, I thought they did a really good job on him. One other takeaway would be that you may be seeing kind of like a future um, all-league type of player in Asbjorn Mitgard. He's only a sophomore, but, man, can he impose as well. He's got such a nice touch. I mean, he ends up with seven points, seven boards, four offensive, and three blocks um, in, in only 14 minutes. And – by the time he's a senior, he could be a really difficult guy to deal with. Yeah, he is a giant human. Yeah. Uh, good to see Troy Copain and, and uh, Jacob Evans in the house. Kevin Johnson there as well. Uh, I talked to them. I went down to talk to them with the, at the four-minute timeout, and I got shooed away uh, because they were going to put him on the video board. And I was like, I was here first. but i did stop back down at halftime got to talk to those guys for a few minutes both are uh both are really enjoying uh where life has taken them um jacob on a full contract troy on the uh the two-way deal with the orlando magic um two of my favorite guys there was one cool moment um obviously you know two guys like that two fan favorites come back uh at halftime there's a lot of attention to, uh, to get their autograph and get pictures and whatnot and what have you. And Jake's kind of got his back turned, taking a picture and signing autographs for a family. And uh, I look over, and there's a guy in a in a very, very clean, very fresh 
white number 10 Golden State Warriors jersey. Mm. So Jake gets done uh, with the family, and I tap him on the shoulder, and I point over to it. And he looked, and, like, he didn't almost get choked up, but you could tell it was one of those, like, surreal life moments. Yeah. Where you're back at your college, and somebody's got your NBA jersey on that they want you to sign. And he was like, man, that was that was really cool. And I was like, dude, I couldn't even imagine the feeling that goes through your body when you turn around and you see somebody standing there, like, in your jersey. Yeah. That has to be just otherworldly. So the guy took it off, and Jake signed it and gave it back to him. I would guess that one's probably going to go on display somewhere in that kid's house. Um, but that was uh, that was definitely a, a cool thing to see. And uh, those two guys, man, it just two of my favorite guys to cover. We, we've been talking about this at the, uh, the press conferences. Um, this is a team that's a little quiet, a little reserved. Yeah. Um, and that's not a good or a bad thing. That's just the, the differences in teams every year. Um, I miss Troy Copain press conferences. Yeah, he was great. Because he was genuinely, like, he was funny. Like, he was up there entertaining. He was doing his thing, and it was just his personality, and it was very natural. I always loved when he would start looking at, like, the stat sheet, and somebody else would be talking, and you would see him catch, like, you know, Gary would be next to him, and Troy would see Gary had 14 rebounds or something. And Troy would get that, like, excited look on his face and, like, elbow Gary, like, ooh, Clark. Ooh, Clark, 14 rebounds is what I'm talking about, boy. And those those moments were all just very organic. And uh, from from a media standpoint, like, those guys were a lot of fun to cover and and just totally different from the personality of this team, which, like I said, it's not good, bad, or indifferent. It's just every team has a different personality. I think this team is a little more of of Jaron Cumberland's personality. Um which, you know, Jaron, if he didn't have to talk to the media, he would never talk to the media. Oh, God, he this he's he doesn't want any part of that at all. And it's not that he's bad at it. It's just that no. he's a quiet kid. He just he doesn't he doesn't enjoy talking about himself. Yeah. And he's not quite as quiet as like a Kawhi Leonard, but he's so, somewhat in that mode. Like He's just like, I just want to play. I just want to ball. Right. Do my thing and then get get some food. When the game's over, I want to get my stuff on and leave. I, I don't yeah. want to come in here and sit down for 10 minutes and, and talk to everybody. Um, but it, it was good to see those two guys back. And then I was like, you know, where's Gary? And they're like, well, you know, he had some stuff going on. And then I think he's going to the Bahamas. And I was like, he always was smarter than you two. <laughs> like, you guys are here. And Gary is in the Bahamas. <laughs> I know where I would be given the option. <laughs> I have to be here. Uh but they both said no, nah, they 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 really wanted to come back and uh both loved what they were seeing from the arena. Um I think it was really cool like during the game they were both up and cheering and and very behind Jaron uh as he was putting buckets on the board. They were both standing up and and pulling for him and um just cool to now to to see those guys come back and, and now that both are 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 playing professionally and doing well and uh, getting their careers going. Uh, I, I miss having those guys around. They were fun. They were good dudes. Yeah, and Troy was probably yelling out, Teddy! Oh, yeah, of course. Well, that's that's from, I think that was Kyle. Yeah, but they both, because the reason I was going to say when you were talking about Troy in the press conference, like he was the first one to say it, to really bring it out there. And I was like, what is that? And then Kyle came and did it again. And then I finally I asked, I'm like, what is What's Teddy? And then they told the whole thing about the Teddy Graham. He looks like, like a Teddy ask, Graham. What I would like to ask Jaron is, like, have you taken your before and after, like, your now picture? And send it to <laughs> Kyle and be like, try to call me Teddy Graham now, mother. Huh? Yeah, that, that's like, one rip Teddy Graham. Like, that Teddy Graham's yeah. got a uh, remodel. <laughs> now Teddy Graham's are ripped. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let, let's get to this week, brother. Yeah. This is, this is going to be something. Taco Thursday as uh, Taco Fall and UCF come to town. It's more than just Taco now. B.J. Taylor, who was preseason player of the year in the conference, along with Aubrey Dawkins, uh, Johnny Dawkins' son, who gives them a, uh, a, a big jumbo wing shooting threat on the perimeter. Um, this is a team that when I watched over the first probably two, two and a half months of the, the season – 
it seemed like they were really struggling with their identity. Right. Um, because they had gotten away from, I think this is the first time in four or five years that they're allowing over 60 points a game. They weren't playing rock fights. Uh, they had a little bit more scoring pop. So the, the way that their games, the, the flow of their games is a little different. And I think they struggled with that. Because I just don't think it was, you know, it was what they were accustomed to. And now it looks like over the past probably three or four games, uh, probably what, since the Houston loss? Um, yeah, they, yeah, they've won three in a row, and they gave up 65-65-72. But what I'm saying is they're get, they seem like they're getting more comfortable in the style that they're playing this year. Okay, yeah. That not that they're getting back to winning games 54 to 50, that they're more comfortable now playing games up in the 60s, up close to the 70s. Um, Andre Fouché, sports information director extraordinaire, had an interesting uh, number. Uh, since both of these teams have been in the AAC, the losing team has never scored more than 60 points in this game. Yeah. These two teams meet. So – but I don't know that it's necessarily going to be that rock fight. At nah. least not not here. Down there, maybe. But up here, Cincinnati at home wants to get up and down the floor a little bit, and they they are definitely going to want to attack UCF before Taco has a chance to get set in the paint. Um, that leads to a little bit more up-tempo of a game. And I, I think this is going to look a little different than, than some of the past UCF-Cincinnati games. Agreed. Yeah. When you talk about Aubrey Dawkins, this dude, he's, I think he's NBA quality. I, I, and from I can a, see from, him as a three and D guy in the, a three and D type guy in the NBA. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how good his defense is, but as far as his athleticism and his size and his ability to shoot and hit guarded shots, and if he's open, it's in. He, he, on a break, he, he, I mean, he finishes like an NBA type of player. I mean, he's six foot six. And, I, and his dad played in the NBA, so he has the pedigree. And this is just the type of dude they haven't had. And and this is this is gonna this really changes everything about them because before he was on the on the floor, it was just pass around to a bunch of guys who couldn't shoot, and then and then BJ Taylor, yeah, have to try to get into the paint, get fouled, throw up some kind of fadeaway runner or whatever it was, and it it worked against UC down there a couple of years ago. He had like twenty seven. I think they only had what fifty three total. Yeah. So, and because really Taco hasn't been a huge offensive factor against UC, so that's that's like the I mean that's the glaring thing. And then and Mick talked about it today, but the, the Terrell Allen six three junior guard. I mean he he his his if you look at his numbers, they're they're just all improved every category, and he's up. Where did he 40. transfer from? You know what? I should know this because I just did the scouting report. But he he was he's he's forty six percent from three now, and he's already really fast. So you have to deal with his oh Drexel, okay. Drexel, okay. Yeah, so he was so he was thirty thirty three he was thirty three percent at Drexel, then thirty three percent at UCF last year. Now he's up to forty six percent from three. Um, he's he's a good free throw shooter. He he's gets to the line. He attacks. So you have now you have to deal with him and BJ Taylor, who can both attack you off the dribble with strength and quickness. And can hit a three. So, that, I mean, you talk about, like, what UC's had problems with this year. It's those types of dudes. And then you throw Aubrey Dawkins in the mix, who, when you're paying so much attention to these guys and trying to, you know, not let B.J. Taylor get into the paint and all that stuff, I, I you, you start watching some of the film on them. And, like, Dawkins just – teams, like, kind of almost forget about him. And the ball gets swung over to him, and he just lines it up and hits it. So they just have so many more weapons on the perimeter – you know, you, you, I, I've gone through. You, I mean, you'll see a lot of this in my scouting report. But like, think about like, okay, last year a guy like AJ Davis. Remember him the last three years? Like, yeah, dude, you could play like a thousand feet off of him, and he was just going to like put a hole in the backboard every time Ti you shot it. Titus Rubles thought he struggled to score. <laughs> yeah, Titus. Yeah. Titus Rubles like I could challenge him in a shooting contest any day, and so he's gone. And now you plug in Aubrey Dawkins for him. I mean, that's just like you, you take like a basically a, a like a you know, a, a negative offensive player because he turned the ball over too. And then you put in a guy who's like an NBA type of guy and Aubrey Dawkins doesn't turn the ball over. So now just by switching those two guys, the offense is, it's crazy. They're, they're 
adjusted um, points per 100 possessions, they're scoring 12 more points this season per 100. It's just like it's an astronomic rise. Now, last year they also I – mean, Injuries hurt. aren't a problem yeah. this year either, right? Right, that's what I'm saying. So they just so they, they just do not resemble the types of teams and that, that UC has played against these last however many years. Um, if you look at UCF at fifth third, the closest they've been was a 60-50 to 50 loss a couple of years ago. So they really haven't ever been in a close game in this building. Um, you know, BJ Teller's in his what, third or fourth. He's a senior. Taco's a senior. So they haven't had any experience. So that's one thing. But I would expect this one to be close all the way through. Yep, yeah, I, I think you're right on that. I, I don't. I don't see unless you see is just phenomenal defensively. Um, I don't really see them pulling away in this one. You know, maybe you get it up to eight, nine, ten at some point in time, uh, but I don't see this one getting you know like we saw last week where they were up nineteen and just kind of coasted home. Um, yeah, towards they the just, back end of the second half. Yeah, UCF has too many shot makers now, and then you you add in the fact that they're the they have the second best free throw rate in the country, and UC's done better of late limiting fouls, but they're still prone. So it's so it's going to be hard to get. To, to, to um, force UCF into droughts with the fact that they have so many guys that can hit outside shots, um, and then they, they get to the foul line. And then, I mean, defensively, like I said, I think it's a matter of pace that they're giving up more points. I think, yeah. you know, they're not, they're not grinding down to five seconds on the shot clock at every possession like you talked about. Um, you know, being able to, to – to move the ball and find an open shot with 10 seconds left on the shot clock instead of three over the course of a game creates quite a few more possessions. Right. The only, Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, if you look at their defensive numbers from last year to this year, it's, it's actually crazy that they're giving the the effective field goal percentage is, is identical to last year. The only thing I can really see is they're fouling a little bit more. Like they're they were yeah. like in the twenties. Now they're in the sixties in, in free throw rate ranking. So you so you know whatever. So they're giving up like basically like four extra points a game or four extra points per hundred possessions. It's not a huge fall from what they were last year. So, but the fact that their offense is, I mean, they were two hundred and eighty something last year, and now they're in the fifties offensively. That the fact that they're giving up a few more points a game is not a big really, deal. Nah, nah. Now they do the get road, to the yeah. foul line a lot. They do. They do because of Taco. They play good three-point defense um, because they're not worried about getting beat on a closeout because they have a seven-foot-seven behemoth <laughs> standing at the rim. Yeah. Um, I, this is going to be a tough one. I, I don't think there's any oh, way God. around it. I, I, yeah. I was I was talking to Coach Savino today, and he was he was antsy. You can always tell when it's a tough game or a game that he's really worried about because when you talk to him at practice, he'll either be pretty calm and and, and go over, you know, this is what we're going to try to do. Um, this is what we're kind of looking at with them. Or if he's antsy, he knows, like, we're going to be in a dogfight. And today he was antsy. He was he was, he was was two-stepping back and forth. Yeah. He said, you all right, coach? Just, this is going to be a tough one. Yeah, with good reason because – if you look at all the things that UC's had trouble with defensively this year, UCF presents all those same issues. And uh, the one area where they're not very strong is in their rebound rate. So if UC is going to be able to win this game, I mean they're going to have to they're going to have to make a lot of hay on the glass. UCF is about two fiftieth in defensive rebounding percentage and one fiftieth in offensive. So that's where. You would you would look to exploit them. The other thing is UC has to continue to not foul. They have to find a way to keep those free throw attempts lower than um, UCF generally can drum up. Yeah, you just can't. You, you know, basically, you can't give them second chance shots, and you can't give them free throws because they're going to make some shots and they're going to be able to get some close looks with Taco down there. And so, um, you know, you have to look kind of like win it in the trenches. All right, Berg. I know you don't like it when I do this to you. 
But it's time for Justin Berg's prediction, brought to you by TracePountas.com. They sell fresh roasted gourmet coffee shipped directly to you. The coffee beans are roasted to order your order and shipped out immediately. Every bag of beans we ship has the roast date clearly printed on it so you know <laughs> that your coffee is fresh. You can find out about Trace Pountas coffee in two easy ways. First, go to our website, www.tracepountas.com slash coffee. <clears throat> All coffee orders are roasted fresh for you and shipped out immediately. They offer 12-ounce bags in both whole bean and ground coffee. You can choose between light, medium, dark, and French roast. What you want to do, go to tracepountas.com slash coffee, T-R-E-S-P-O-N-T-A-S.com slash coffee. You set up your subscription. You can have your coffee sent to you every one, two, or four weeks. It's your choice. And then at checkout, enter the code BEARCATS. When you enter the code BEARCATS, you will get 20% off and you will get free shipping. And that will start your Trace Pountas coffee subscription where they send it to you in 12-ounce bags. And they also have K-cups now of whole bean or ground. You can choose light, medium, dark, and French roast. Get it sent to you. Have it delivered. And you will be very, very happy with a great, high-quality coffee from TracePountas.com. Berg, Bearcats, Golden Knights, Thursday night, 7 o'clock tip-off. Who you got? I've got the Bearcats home, in this home, one. Playing at home plays a big factor for you? I think so. I looked at what UCF does on the road, and although overall they've been – much better. I mean, like like worlds and worlds better taking care of the ball this season than they have the last couple seasons on the road. They've had three games with fifteen or more turnovers. So I'm I'm I, I can't say hoping because that's a fan thing to say. But for the for the UC coaching staff, I would say not to play this one too cautious on the defensive end. I would try to go after their guards and 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 get them sped up a little more than they want to be. Because they, because like Memphis was one of the teams that forced them into a lot of turnovers. UConn on the road forced them into 15 plus, um, and I think Missouri was the other one. So you got to try to make them uncomfortable. Try to disrupt their rhythm. If you just play it straight up, then they have some guys who can knock in shots. BJ Taylor can get comfortable, and the more possessions you give them with where they can get a shot up, the harder it's going to be to beat them. So um, I'm I'm figuring that UC should be able to force should be able to win the turnover battle and um and i and i just you know man uc has jaron cumberland on their team very true what, what else you got for us tonight bird you got anything you want to talk about um well let's see 21 and four for the season i was i think i predicted nine losses i think a lot of people did so you i i said 25 and six i think did you okay yeah, I was you, higher on this team than most. Right, but they they have exceeded my expectations as well. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I think I think anyone who who thought they were going to be either twenty one and four or better, I mean, they were probably uh, drinking some Kool Aid or something. But that because, I, but I also think that the, there was just some games that that we probably assume were going to be harder games that weren't, but. So, all right, so, so you got the four losses. So do you focus on, all right, <clears throat> the East Carolina game was just one of those crazy days. So you throw that out, but you look at the other three um, where basically, you know, Houston is a, is a three seed. You played them pretty tough. And if, if you had some semi potentially, and if you had a few things go your way, it might have gone down to the wire. And then you have Ohio State and Mississippi State as two other really good teams you played. Um, struggled, struggled. You didn't get to 60 in any of those three games. So like, is that concerning to you? Do you think it's just, they just didn't have good games against them? What's your, where are you on that whole thing? Ohio state, I think you can throw out like that. That first half was an anomaly and we haven't seen anything like it the rest of the year. You're right. So I don't put a lot of stock into that one. I think with Mississippi State, it was a timing thing more than anything. They just ran into Mississippi State when Mississippi State was playing really well. I mean, if we remember going back to that game and looking at their numbers over the past two or three games, it was like 
this team can't continue shooting and playing the way that they're playing at this high of a level. And eventually they came back down to earth. It just wasn't that day in Starkville. Yeah, and you also talked about how the fact that they had seen UC the year before, they were yeah, ready they, for they the type of effort they needed. Yeah, they weren't going to be pushed around in that game like they were here last year. Yeah, so so then and then you, the Houston game, like we said, I mean, it was the fact that UC even had that one point lead late is with everything that happened in that game was you could get you know you could you could be, come away positive with some positive feelings because of that. You could also I genuinely be, felt UC outplayed them for 34 minutes. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd say outplayed. I'd say they they withstood to, and they to deal. Yeah. Okay, Berg, I'm gonna drop something on you. All right. UC sent how many plays do you think UC sent to the league from that Houston game? Oh God, I mean I could think of five right off, right quick. They sent eight plays for the league to review. How many do you think the league responded and said we were wrong of those eight? Better have been all of them. All of them. <laughs> eight. Eight. What? Eight. You, missed calls. Okay. Do you know was the Nasir Brooks technical one of those, or was, that's a different thing? Um, I don't know if that was on there. I I, I think okay. that was that's objective. I don't even like. I don't even know if that was part of what they sent. Okay. Because. He did scream in the guy's face. Like, he did. I don't think he meant to. I think he just dunked and screamed, and the guy happened to be right there. Yeah. All right. But, but eight, I know eight the other ones. The three out-of-bounds plays, the uh, the, the missed uh, up and down, the missed travel, the missed shot clock violation, eight plays in that game that that were called wrong. Wow. And admitted by the league, we missed it. That's so many. Eight. Usually, so, yeah, you may have one or two where you're like, oh, man, eight. So, Justin, to yeah. be up one with six minutes left, when you've had eight calls wrong against you, I thought Cincinnati outplayed Houston at Houston for 34 minutes. Okay, now, when, the when final you factor six that in. Count, yeah. The final yeah. six minutes count. Right. And they played terribly in those final six minutes. I'm not making excuses. I'm not blaming the officials. They put themselves in a chance to win. They put themselves in a chance to overcome the adversity on the road, which you right. know you're going to have. And they didn't finish. That's on them. But I don't feel like Houston is significantly better than Cincinnati. No, I don't either. I and they, you know, they dominated in the trenches in that game. Houston out rebounded them, and they, their two point percentage was way higher than you see in that game. Yeah. So, so sorry. So, so you know, so. You figure, okay, so Houston's a three seed, and they were at home, and you see hung right with them for most of the game. So that, so that, so that would put you in the positive mindset. If you want to, if you want to look at the Ohio State game as it was a crazy, weird first half, whatever the case was, they didn't, they didn't, they had some defensive breakdowns in the second half, and they just fell too far behind. And so, you know, and then the East Carolina. So it's like you, you know, you can you can do the glass half full, the glass half empty deal. You could say. Yeah, the East Carolina game was just, eh. But you still lost to East Carolina. And nobody else has that's, like, worth anything this year. So, you, you know, if you're the glass half-empty guy, you could be like, this team couldn't even beat East Carolina, dude. And <clears throat> they scored 18 points in, a, in one half in their home opener. And, uh, you know, they couldn't do anything down the stretch of the Houston or the Mississippi State game on the road. They just could not get any points or, you know, or stops in like the last, you know, whatever, five to ten minutes of both of those games. So that would be your, eh, I don't know. But then you're, you know, if you're on the other side of the fence and you're saying like, yeah, but, like you just made that, you laid that whole thing out against Houston. That's positive. It was on the road and all that stuff. Um, and you say there's just, you know, sometimes you have a bad day. They had a bad <clears throat> day at East Carolina. They had a bad I know. day. I know. And you look at, and you look East at, I mean, Carolina you, yeah. shot like they haven't shot all year. Yeah. That There's was no one. other game that they've played like they played against Cincinnati. It's true. But I think that was important because I think that game, the reality set in that we're the big dog in this conference. And no matter what, everybody's given us their best shot. I think they needed that. They needed that reality as well. Yeah. So Yeah. So – 
I mean, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I know. So I, I, because what happens is, is you, you know, all right. So we got, you know, whatever. It's March is two weeks away. So now it's the the, the tendency, of course. You know, if you're if you're a fan, if you're a writer, if you're whatever you are that follows the team, you're anywhere around this team or any team. You're thinking like, all right, how good is this team? What is the ceiling of this team? Like that's just that's just the reality of things of of, of how you want to think about it coming down well, with a couple with with six games left. Here's, so you don't really know, but you because you could make an argument one way or another. Well, here's my thing, Bird. They are what they are. Like what we've thought about this team hasn't really changed. They are not going to overwhelm you in terms of talent. They aren't. Jaron is going to generally, nine times out of ten, you see is going to have the best player on the floor. But they are not going to overwhelm you like they did a lot of teams last year with two NBA guys and a guy that's probably going to play in Europe until he's 40 if he wants to. And Jaron. And Jaron as your fourth option. However, they are a team that is maximizing who they are. And they're getting the most out of the talent that they they have in place. They're not overwhelmed. Teams aren't overwhelming them with talent. They haven't played anybody that's overwhelmed them with talent, right? Right. So, going towards March, they are what they are. They're a team that's going to give itself a chance to be in the game in the final four to five minutes. And... They're going to rely on having Jaron Cumberland and you not having Jaron Cumberland down the stretch to win those games. That's who they are. Yeah, and I think if you if you're looking at the statistics to decide what the ceiling is of a team, I think last year was was like okay, you can't do that anymore because if they, their defense was so good according to the the adjusted metrics that allowing 75 points in a game. In the NCAA tournament, seemed like impossible, but <clears throat> but the, the you know those numbers don't necessarily mean anything. And and you look at the uh, like this year's team, the defense is way worse, but that doesn't mean that they still can't win a game when it comes down to the last five minutes. And this team has had a lot of experience with it already. So I think when you face adversity, you handle it. Every time you do it, it's just like a notch on your belt, and you get you feel even more comfortable the next time. So we'll see, because Thursday night, I imagine, I mean, I don't see how it's not going to be another close game. And uh, they'll get another chance to to go in there and see what they can do. Yeah, I, I just, I, I see a lot of, of people saying, like, I don't know what this team is. Like, they are exactly what we thought they were. They've just been better at closing out games than maybe we thought they would be. Yeah, they, they've got point. They've got seven close games. They've won six of them. Yeah. You know, maybe we thought because of the inexperience, because we weren't sure how fast Cumberland was going to grow into that alpha role, that they would be four and three or five and two in those games instead of six and one. But they've managed to be six and one. Like that's where the pleasant surprise of this season has come from for me. Yeah, I agree. And the one they lost was East Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's kind of where I'm at with this team. Yeah. I think they're they're pretty close to where I expected them to be. The way that they've gotten there has been in a fashion that's been a little better than I expected. Uh, and now they've got it, – it's funny, though, because we talked about, you know, with 11 games left, like this is when it gets tough. But they've handled all that. Have they not? They only lost the one. Yeah. And, and, and we just covered that. Like, that's a game they very easily could have won if they'd have played better in the final six minutes. Yeah. So we keep we keep shifting the expectations and saying this is when it's going to get bumpy. And outside of the Houston game, it hasn't really – I mean, there, there's, there's games that have been close, but we knew that this team didn't have overwhelming talent. No. We knew that they were a well-built team, a well-constructed team, that had questions, and as those questions were answered, we would know more about them. But this is pretty much what we thought. I, yeah, I, you're right. I don't know. I, that's just that's been it's been um, watching the reactions for me at least has been interesting. Just because it, it feels like 
the people are forgetting what we thought of this team. Right. And the thing that's difficult, if you're trying to put a ceiling, let's say, for a March run, like I know that's what's going to start coming up, you just it's hard to tell because you're not playing teams that are going to be in the tournament. You played Houston, and they were a three seed, and you were right there with them. So, you know, if, you, if you're looking like, okay, UC is probably going to end up in that seven range, potentially a six, potentially an eight. So that, that was basically like a second-round type of opponent. And, uh, you know, they didn't get the win, but it, was, it also wasn't at a neutral site. So you oh. don't really know. And, and so you look at – so now they have – here's what they got. They got UCF twice. What does everyone say UCF is? Like a, an 11, a 10? Yeah. That's basically a first-round opponent. So yep. you got a first-round NCAA-quality t- opponent coming to your building on Thursday. So you, you, you play them you twice. You take care of business, especially right. at home. Exactly, and then you have then you have the rematch with Houston. Who, um, since they're on your home floor, it's probably you know they're like a seed line less because they're on the road, but it's still the same team. But either way, so you, you know you're you're going to get to measure yourself against teams that you're going to you know quality teams you're going to face down the stretch here, first and second round type of teams, and that's what everyone's that's what everyone's going to keep talking about for the until the end of time until. This team gets past the first weekend. It's just the way it is. And if you look through the last few years, in the, in the regular season, when they played teams that are tournament quality, they, their defense hasn't been as good. They just haven't been as, haven't been as dominant. Um, they haven't won that many, you know, a high percentage of those games. And, you know, that, therefore you get into the tournament and, you know, just some They've of these numbers. a pretty good percentage of those games against tournament teams. Not non-conference. Not not lately. You can go back and look. I mean, Butler, they got swept. They lost Iowa State at home. Swept NC State. NC State was a while ago. Not that far ago. Yeah. I guess you're right. It was, well, it was like, what, 14 and 15? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's still in that era that we're talking about. Like, I think too many people get selected. You, like, you, you have a tendency to do this, too. You get selective to where... The cutoff fits your argument. Yeah, I mean, they got they got Ole Miss this year, and Ole Miss is, is a tournament team. They got You're right. on a neutral floor. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We hadn't we hadn't touched on that yet. That was, that's that's definitely like a, a you know a first round type of opponent, and they beat them by fourteen on a neutral floor. Yeah, Cincinnati's a seven. Ole Miss, I think, is projected as an eight right now. Yeah, so that that could very easily be an eight nine type game, and they won that game. I don't want to say comfortably, but they were the better team in that game. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's so that's why that's why I'm saying it's it's just it's so difficult to say. Well, okay, here's how far they can get because they always say like, "What do you, like?" Last year they kept everyone was like, "What do you think, Seth Greenberg? What do you think?" I think this is a Final Four team. Okay, <laughs> like just like well, how I mean, we, uh, it, it, I mean think about it. Like, it, so I I'm just I'm saying, that, but that was before that. But it's like. Well, so so Loyola was a Final Four team. I mean, right? Like, well, but that's like anybody tournament. could have been. That's what a I'm one saying. and out tournament. I know. I'm saying this. That's why it's, it's like it's you go in circles with this stuff. The bottom line is they're 21 and four. They win. They they have you know they their team is is fits together very well. And now they're going to get three good you know good looks in this last six games. Yeah, and three other games that are pretty solid too. I mean, yeah. SMU on the road's not going to be easy. Nope. UConn, they're banged up right now, but they're going to play hard. They're going to oh, yeah. they're going to have the, that memory of being in the game at UC and thinking we got a chance to knock these guys off on our home floor. And then Memphis coming here, I mean, they've got Jeremiah Martin. They do. So th- there's not an easy one the rest of the way. Which Although is good. Me- Memphis is much less of a team on the road than they have been at home. Although they did give Central Florida all they wanted the other day. Yeah. In in Orlando. Not that they're terrible. They're just different. They don't play really with the same energy on the road as they do at home. And they, they shoot way worse. Yeah. But so, everybody does. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, 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 kind, yeah. of where, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I don't think it, it's far off from where you're at. No, I mean, look, any anybody that goes in the tournament that's a, a decent seed. I mean, you could be you could be eleven or higher, and you could go to the elite eight. 
it's just the way it is. It doesn't I mean you've seen elevens go to the final four, you've seen twelves go to the sweet sixteen, like it you know, it just doesn't you know, so like whatever seed they end up being or who they're playing against and all this stuff, like it, it just doesn't it doesn't matter that much. It's like you have to play the best you can when you get your opportunity and hope a few things go your way and then you can move on. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up. I think that that was a good ending, Berg. Yeah, okay. I, I, I like where you took that over the final 15 minutes or so. Not as I, good as the one where uh, you cut me off last yeah. week, though, right? Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I gotta I gotta keep a leash on you as much as possible. <laughs> Should we have a watch party for Saturday at six, South Florida at Houston? <laughs> yeah, yeah, your house. Okay, your house. RSVP on Twitter. And uh, we'll have a watch party at Berg's house. Everybody can meet the baby. <laughs> Don't tell your wife. People just okay. start showing up with beer. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm here to watch South Florida and Houston. What do you think I'm here for? <laughs> yeah. What's uh, for she, dinner? Wouldn't, surpri- <laughs> yeah. wouldn't surprise her. She's seen me watch. She's seen me watch a lot of South Florida games and whatever. All of these conference games this year to get my scouts going. She's like, oh. Who's playing? Oh, is that that, that that taco guy? Okay, like she's she's, start, she's starting to get it. She knows she knows a few guys. It was funny. Uh, we were we were riding the elevator up from uh, from media today. Me and and Justin Williams from the Athletic, and Brady Collins, the strength and conditioning coach, was asking us you know who they play Thursday night. Are they any good? I said, well, they've got a seven foot six guy that plays center, and he looked at me like, what? <laughs> yeah, he's like seven foot six, three hundred pounds. What? <laughs> yeah yeah you want to you, you want to watch him the circus is coming to town yes um real quick though um since you mentioned williams like I, I thought of something and i i got for whatever reason i get locked out of synergy this year like they don't want to respond to me and, and let me be in there Even, oh, i was hitting it hard last year but justin's got his company account so i asked him about the Bearcats and their their shooting around the rim because i think that's you know everyone's been talking about especially me that they've been they've been struggling finishing in the paint, and last year's points per possession on shots around the rim that weren't post ups versus this year's a thousand of a, a thousand of a point difference, um like so like basically it was like one point three eight six and one point three eight five or whatever it was I, I don't know the exact number between last year and this year so remember I'm gonna I'm gonna take you in the way back machine Justin yeah remember all the arguments that we had last year. In your, in your uh, slow nature to come around on the three-point shot. And I pointed out again and again at this level, finishing at the rim is very, very difficult and about equivalent to shooting 30% from three-point range. I don't it's hard. Yeah, I know it is. It's hard, but they're but they're they're like in the you know thirty-fifth percentile or whatever it is. Like they're not. They're, they're still good. It's hard. I know. I'm just saying. Like that's. I I was I was expecting it to be drastically different between last year and this year, and it was. It's almost identical. So, go figure. They're not as bad as people want to. It's it's very. It's very one a ton of recency bias because they struggled in the last game. Yeah. And two, people just forget that, like, uh, they had the same problems. And at times, there were a lot of games where Kyle takes some shots that you're like, what is he doing? Now, there was also a lot of times that he would make five of those in the game on his way to 17 points or whatever the case may be. But, I mean, Gary struggled. Anytime Gary had considerable length on him, he struggled. When was that team best? When was that team at its best, Berg? What when last year? Yeah. There's know. one specific thing that happened when that team was playing its best basketball. Gary Clark and Kyle Washington were hitting threes. Oh, okay. It was not when Gary Clark and Kyle Washington were scoring around the rim. It was when Gary Clark and Kyle Washington were stretching the defense and banging in jump shots. That's right, well, what made that team really yeah. difficult to defend. Well, be that as it may, they, they, that team and this team needs to be a little stronger underneath the basket, either scoring or getting fouled. And I agree. Just, yeah. So that's it. I agree. So that's, you know, I just, I didn't, 
I just didn't equate. I didn't think it would be that close. So I think anyone who's listening to this who doesn't have access to Synergy and maybe was thinking, maybe was thinking like, hey, you know, how bad is how bad are they <laughs> at finishing under, under uh, you know around the basket this year? Well, just as bad as last year. All right, good point. Thanks to Justin Williams. Yep. Shout out, shout out, Justin. I'm sure he's listening. <laughs> All right, man. That's gonna wrap it up. Thanks to Justin Berg. A lot of great insight today. I thought this was a this was a really good late season podcast. And uh, you you brought your A game today, Berg. Yeah, with with not having a lot of energy because of the baby, but yeah. I'll, I'll I, I don't okay. care. I don't You'll care. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Justin Berg. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com. <laughs>